Let's do one more. This one's titled, I don't have enough good words. Exclamation point five stars. Amy Marie 18. So wonderful. Thank you guys for taking this on. That was good. That was good, Steve. So thanks for leaving that review. You guys, please, it would help us so much if you would leave a rating and or review wherever you listen to this podcast. I like looking you directly in the eyes. <laughs> you know, Luke. <laughs> you know, Luke. Knockers. <laughs> you just, what do you write? What I'm notes not you write in the there? Term. He's like gibberish, 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 gibberish. But then so works. <laughs> okay. From Milieu Media Group, this is Fun Parts an exploration of sexuality and spirituality for anyone who's curious or convinced there must be more. With your hosts, Becky Patton, Latifa Alatas, Ashley Lusink, Luke Bronner, and me, Steve Weens. So let's find any other way to start this episode. Hey, Luke. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Yes. Well, I think we just, we gave the breast ample coverage. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> that was nice. Wow. Good Wasn't job. that good? That was impressive. We held yeah. them well. Yeah. Don't you think? Oh, we did. I think we held the breasts well. Yeah. So I'm using this wonderful book that I'm referencing. You'll keep hearing me reference um, How to Have Ridiculously Great Sex in a Long Lasting Relationship by Dr. Steven Snyder. Okay. I'm going to reference this. Erections. We're going to talk about penises. Okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay. Yeah, we are going Specifically, to. erections related to penis erections. Right. Mm. Okay. Penises are actually. Peni? Pe- a penis. Penises. Let me say it this way. Okay. A penis is a barometer, oftentimes, of desire. That's how it gets. I'm going to bring it back just mm. to desire a lot of times. And when a penis is erect, a lot of times it gets a guy into a difficult situation from what I understand sometimes that it can be uncomfortable. And you were talking about as a teenager, you know, you're watching that movie and it feel, it can feel uncomfortable, you know, because things happen. I don't remember <laughs> saying that. I, I know what you you're talking seeing? about. I don't, don't, you, don't you remember you saying you had no. to, I, I can't like, leave I right now. I, I loved it, but. You I, loved it, but you couldn't uh, get you up and wait leave right away. Oh, you had sure, to wait in order to sure. get up and move, you know. Oh, and that's, that's classic. Yeah, that's classic. As a junior high student in the classroom. Oh, Lord. Yeah. You know, so well, you but it, anyway, do all kinds of tricks, pulleys, and all those things. Well, but but the thing that I think is important to recognize as we're talking about this is erections are just a reflection of the element of blood flow in the man's body from literally relaxation because the penis is filled with blood vessels. And so the reality is, is it needs to be able to relax for the blood to flow in there. And that's how you get an erection. But in erections, they're the most vulnerable part of a man's sexual response. Hmm. And we know that men post-erection are more generous because they have a higher level of oxytocin release. And do you mean most generous after erection or after I'm release? I'm sorry, after release. Of as, orgasm. After release of orgasm. Okay. They are more generous. They're kinder. Relaxed. They are more relaxed. That's really literally what it is. So anyway, I think it would be interesting. I know Luke doesn't want to start this way, 
but I think Luke doesn't want to be in the room right now. <laughs> <laughs> so let's be real clear. Okay. But I think it is interesting. I mean, what names did we grow up? What names are out there that we actually hear and know? For the penis? For the penis, yeah. yeah. Johnson. Johnson. Oh, Johnson. Dick. Dick. Knob. Mm-hmm. I learned that one. Reference that later. Meat Her- and two veg, which is my current favorite. <laughs> Herman. Bits and Bob's wedding tackle. Her- Herman. 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 Okay. Got it. My member. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Hot dog. Hot dog. Wiener. Wiener. Yeah. Which my last name is Weens, and so at all times oh, it was called yeah. Wiener Weenie. Growing yeah. up. Okay. Oh really? Sausage. Yeah, it wasn't that big of a deal. Sausage. Sausage. Yeah. yeah. Bratwurst. Hot dog. A lot of meat yeah. references here. Meat. Yeah. Twig and berries. Twig and berries. That's nice. And Anchorman, Paul Red calls it the octagon. (laughs) 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 Which is amazing. Wow. I don't know what that means, but wow. He's like, I know what you're thinking. Do I have a name for my penis? And yes, I call it the octagon. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know a lot of men name their penises? Mm. Because it is kind of like a buddy. Yeah. It's kind of like their friend. The girls. Mm. Yeah, the girls. We name the girls. Yeah. So. (laughs) Girls. Their buddy. They're buddy. Well, I mean, we talked yeah. last time that because there are four functions of the penis, mm-hmm. penetration, sensation, urination. Ejaculation. Ejaculation, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it's a four-functioning awesome. part of the body. It is pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Dynamic. It is dynamic, isn't it? Yeah. Banana hammock? No, that, I had that's this the speedo. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Banana hammock. That's the underwear. I had this thought. That's going to be another little sample I cut. Banana hammock? (laughs) Banana hammock? Over and over again. Cock? That's that's another cock. Yeah. Yeah. I had this thought when we were talking about breasts that if men had to display the size and shape of their penis as women do their breasts, Mm -hmm. like penile augmentation would be the number one (laughs) surgery that men would have. I mean, men wouldn't be able to handle it. Like if it was... As obvious, the size of their penis as women's breast size are just publicly, mm, we wouldn't we wouldn't even be able to walk around. Mm. Like we would we would be we would stay home. We would <laughs> I mean the shame would be that big. And it's so strange, right? But certainly when I was growing up, you're concerned about the size of your penis. And it's a locker room thing. Cause back then I grew up in the seventies and back then, yeah, you were definitely, you know, in the locker room and doing the group showers and stuff and and I even remember this weird eighth grade experience I had where, and in 1982, 83, just, you know, if you're on the basketball team, the shorts were short, oh, tight short, shorts. Yeah. You just wore short, tight shorts. Mm-hmm. And I remember this girl in our class and I was wearing some short, tight shorts and it was in like gym and she looked down and she looked back up at me and she goes, well, there's a lot there. <gasps> How did you that know? make you feel? Wow. Well, I don't know, like a little embarrassed because I'm like, ooh, am I, you know, like. Am I doing something wrong or. You know, butts and bulges like, (laughs) whoa. But also like a little bit like, oh, you know, like Mm -hmm. I felt proud or something. Yeah. (laughs) Tell your friends. (laughs) My resume speaks for itself. Um, (laughs) Resume. That's another name. (laughs) Resume. But also some weirdness too. Like that was very, very weird. I don't know how the myth of size became a thing because it's my understanding, at least in a female to male context, that it's more about compatibility than it is about just having a large penis. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the same conversation we had about breasts. Yeah, it's like, mm-hmm. 
That's not what it's about. Yeah, it's, but there but are, that is culturally what it's about. And right. there are jokes in movies from women and other, like pencil dick and stuff like that. Oh, you, you know, yeah. so you go like, well, maybe it is real. And, yeah. and then you mm. think, okay, that's just a comedy, you know, bit mm. on a movie. And of course, that's what you would say. You say a lot of things in the movie. But men to this day, 100% have that fear. Because I'm assuming regardless of the width, girth, length, size of the penis that most or all penises experience pleasure. Yes. Yeah. yeah so it's do. like, mm-hmm. it's not that it's not working. It's just different shapes and sizes. There was something you said a minute ago. You said an erection is the most vulnerable part of a man's sexual response. And I would say the myth is that it's the only part of a man's mm. sexual response. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's interesting. I would love to explore that. Well, yeah. I think go. Yeah. I would love for y'all to explore that while I <laughs> and learn from you all. Right? Please and I go. I just contributed. That's it. <laughs> I'm done. That's all you get. No, that's interesting. I mean, is the question like okay? So I think of yeah. movies where the moment that you see in movies or TV shows of like, I'm sorry, that never happens to me. Mm. Of like, mm-hmm. the entire experience is measured on whether or not a man gets an erection or can keep an erection or whatever. Okay. And so yeah. it lasts like, long enough. Or- yeah. So that to me means that the myth is around. That is the one way to know if a man is aroused or enjoying or whatever. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Mm. Look at Becky. She's beaming. Becky, think of something you need to share. Oh my God, I'm just so excited. This <laughs> is like so fun because actually what we're talking about is there is so much more to a man's arousal than just what's between his legs. Oh. And there's so much more. And honestly, a healthy up and down version during sex is about men being present to their partner and not just present to their own pleasure. I cannot tell you how many times I have the same conversation where men really do feel extreme pleasure in pleasuring a woman. Or another man. Or another man. Mm -hmm. But being in that moment, having that, and seeing someone else have pleasure from just them touching them Mm -hmm. is an incredible... Arousing. Arousing thing for a man. And not necessarily, I want to say, a penal arousal, but it can be just this incredible like... (gasps) oh my gosh, they experience this. Mm. And women so often can feel guilty. It's like, oh, but now it's your turn and we have to. And if sex is just about having to both have an orgasm, what we've actually done is we've reduced sex down to an outcome versus a process of pleasure. Mm. And one of the things that I think we have forgotten, I think we've forgotten how to receive pleasure for what pleasure is. Oh, tell me more. So what I mean is sex at the core is kind of a narcissistic endeavor mm. because we each have our own experience. If you think mm. about it, there's no way humanly possible when I'm with my partner that I'm having the same experience. Mm-hmm. And I mean that even like if you're a man having sex with man, you're not having the same exact experience or a woman with a woman, you're not having the same exact experience. Your body is having a different, you're, we have different pleasure points in the sense of levels of intensity. And part of sexual engagement and pleasure is learning how to pleasure one another and learning the joy of just pleasure in and of itself. So like one of my favorite, favorite things that my husband does, and he can't do it when I'm in public very often, is when he starts playing with the nap of my neck, it's Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, that is so erotic to me. You cannot do that. 
you know, unless he can follow through and keep doing that. Right. Unless you there's know? a bathroom available somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> or even just, but, but I yeah. want to say, but what I know is to, for me to release myself into that pleasure, mm. I'm not talking about going in and stripping our clothes off and having sex. Right. For me to release myself into that pleasure is this element of, oh, I'm going to release myself to you and let you do this to mm. me. And so measuring whether or not now is an appropriate time, it's not okay for me to moan and groan about the beauty of that pleasure if I've got small children right there. It may not be inappropriate. Mm-hmm. I'd have a lot of explaining to do, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? But yet the pleasure of that, he knows it drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. And he loves to test the limits of where it's okay. It's kind of fun. It is. Yeah. It's very, very fun. But me just allowing myself to receive pleasure. So one of the things that I think is so important is because a penis is so obvious in its erectile function, a lot of times what we do is we measure men's capacity for pleasure by their hardness, and that's not actually true. That's helpful. That is not true. Men can receive incredible pleasure. Like, they can actually receive pleasure and just be in the pleasure of their nipples being stimulated, and they cannot have an erection. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But what I find over and over again is men feel incredible shame for not having the evidence, quote unquote, Mm. that they are aroused. And we miss the opportunities to be in the pleasure, what I would call pleasure playground, Mm. versus going just for the prize. When it makes sex an entirely physical experience. Like if the only thing that matters is the ending, then it's like we miss out on not only the rest of the experience, but also the other purposes of sex or the other uses. Mm -hmm. So what I'm really getting at is like we talked in the last episode about the unique comfort of like resting your head on your mother's breast Mm -hmm. and like as a child, how truly unique that comfort is and that feeling is. And I think the same thing is true in enjoying the body of your partner. There is also still something very, very mm-hmm. comforting about the other person's body outside of just the one physical experience. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A number of years ago, my husband was going through some absolutely horrible, horrible things at work and things that were happening. Basically, the integrity of this man was being questioned and if you knew my husband, you would know how ridiculous that is. Well, you guys do know my husband. I'm yeah, saying. He's you so do. great. There is no way. It was, and it was People all falsehood. Pardon were me? were questioning him. People were trying to slander him because they wanted a different outcome from him, and he was standing firm in something. So anyway, so it was an element where my husband had to make a decision about, I mean, he was changing jobs. He was changing companies. He was, there were so many things. He could have stood up for himself, and later it came out that he could have totally sued the people and he chose not to, but there were these moments where he would come home from work and I mean, he was doing depositions and he was Mm. doing all these things. His emotional brain was literally drained. He was physically drained. And I remember him coming home one night and we crawled into bed and he said, I need you to hold me, just hold me. Mm. And it was years later that he was able to tell me that through that process, not having to perform was really important to him. But getting to be able to be held and physically touch my body was like 
enough to help him get up the next morning and go, okay, I can go face that too. Okay, I'll go face that too. But he was doing one day at a time. And it wasn't about, okay, we have to have sex. So, And we hear this a lot of times, you have to have sex to release the stress mm-hmm. and the tension. Yeah. And it's like, what am I, an, just an orifice to... Right. Let go in. I mean, like, hello. Wait a second. That doesn't that doesn't make sense. Yeah. But I mean, but and yet I'm going to say there are beautiful moments when that can actually happen, where you can be with your spouse in a way of, I want to help you here. Let's get rid of some of this stress, tension, and things like that. So I'm not saying it isn't that, but it was that was he was so much on emotional overload. He didn't have anything left to try and and it was just like, I'll just hold you. I'll just hold you. And see, I think that gets and this is why. The quote, the most vulnerable part of a man's sexual response. Sexual response, yeah. That's why I bring that up is to say that like, no, men are more nuanced also. So like, Latifah, you talked about the desire to be desired. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really easy to talk, especially about women just wanting to feel comforted or wanting to feel safe in the arms of their partner. And it's like men want that as well. And and like that is also part of of the man's sexual response. And it Mm -hmm. has nothing to do necessarily with whether or not they have an erection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My partner and I hold each other a lot, like just extended spooning. And like, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm the big spoon just as much as he is. And I actually love it. Like I love that we kind of both take turns being held and doing the holding. Mm-hmm. And Royer's always the small spoon, like the smallest. <laughs> the smallest. You know, whether he, he's generally, his paws are touching some part. <laughs> Royer is their dog. Yeah. Yes. 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 Really careful. Just, you know, I mean, or, I mean, that would be fine. But Angel from heaven. Well, I mean, two things. One is, I think it's interesting, Becky, that Rick asked you, yeah, I just need to be held. And of course you said yes. I say, of course, because I know you. It's hard for me to ask for mm-hmm. something like, can I just... Like there's this thing that I asked for from time to time where I just, I sort of lay down on the bed on my belly and Mary just takes her hands and just rubs my back just from shoulders to lower back. And just, Mm. it's very like slow. Mm. And then she goes back up and it sort of releases the knots. And Mm. that is just one of the most loving, and it's not sexual actually. It's really not. But is it pleasurable? It's It's extremely pleasurable. Okay. And so why? But I want to say like... Mm. I want to say it's hard for me to just ask for that, you know, Mm. and I don't think that's about Mary's willingness to do it. There are times where maybe she would be like, oh, honey, I'm just tired. And, you know, even like five minutes to do that is, well, yeah, I mean, someone says, hey, can I have a shoulder rub? And you're like, I love you, but oh my gosh, I just am so tired. So that's one thing. I think some of us, and I don't know that it's men or women. I just think it's some of us with certain personalities have a hard time asking for something that is just for your pleasure that's going to require something of someone Nothing else. in return. Right. The second thing I want to say, though, is about that vulnerability around erections. Because it, just stating the obvious, but I don't know that I've never heard anyone talk about it. Like, an erection is not an erection or not. You know? There's mm-hmm. so many variations of mm-hmm. a, but just to get really technical, rock hard erection. Mm-hmm. A three-quarter erection where you can still penetrate, but it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, we're not quite, you know. And then uh, about a half where you're like, we might be able to (laughs) – I'm not sure, actually. And then maybe once we get in, maybe it'll it'll – Do the job. I mean, that's what we're talking about. (laughs) And I think in at least a a mind of someone who has a penis, that's going through your mind. Like, what's wrong with me if it's a half or a three-quarter? And probably the partner, man or woman – maybe 
are they thinking what's wrong with me? That yes. It's, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was going to say the same thing. Is that it's the yeah. People tend yeah. to also measure uh-huh. themselves yeah. mm-hmm. by yeah. the because of the idea that what's that wrong is that I can't make that only happen. And now that's stuff. in your mind. That's in your head. And now, oh my gosh, yeah. we're now that's not now a great scenario. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're well, thinking. Things come go on, sideways. Buddy, come on, buddy. Come on, buddy. You know, yeah. and like, oh, now you're done. It's so stressful. Yeah. Well, and there's no way yeah. it's going to actually happen. So I want to say that quote where I'm quoting Dr. Snyder is, erections are the most vulnerable part of a man's sexual response for both medical and psychological reasons. Loss of hardness is often a psychological catastrophe for a man. 100%. And I want to say if they don't have understanding of what's actually going on. And that's why I think it's so important that we talk about penises because mm-hmm. there is, there's so much more going on. There is an emotional thing going on for men. There is this, I, I think there's actually a lot of psychological stuff going on for men. Mm-hmm. And ED actually happens in the twenties as much as it happens in the seventies. Does it really? Erectile I dysfunction. I didn't know that. Oh, I'm when sorry. I, erectile dysfunction. Yeah. yeah. When I think about so much of my own experience. So I, as I've shared before, was married previously and my husband came out, and so we were going through this whole process of him figuring out what that even meant to be gay and feel this, and then, but still being within a conservative Christian bubble. And so we tried to like figure out how to stay married because that was the best thing to do. And quote and unquote, quote quotes, unquote, yeah. yes, yeah. Yeah. Like, yes, very air important. Quotes. Air quotes. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. the sarcasm in my voice, I hope, comes through. But just in that process, I can remember. So after he came out, we took like. By his choice, because I would say I'm a, the person that always felt like I've always wanted it more. We took a year off of sex in general, which was just a whole interesting while staying married. <laughs> while staying married, wow. But it was just like I feel like he could finally be like, "This is my reality. I need like." I would be curious how he would articulate for him like that experience for him, mm. and then a couple years into our like process together, and the way I would say with our marriage, it was like. We kind of had this reconciliation moment maybe about a year after he came out and it was like a little bit of a high Mm -hmm. and then it would continue like get lower and then the highs would get low, like the highs weren't as high as a high and it was like this perpetual going down. So towards the end as things were going down and we were engaging in sex and it was so (laughs) damaging towards the end as you can probably imagine. And I, the specific things I want to just talk about because of what we were talking about is when it came to specifically erections, because obviously he wasn't feeling aroused because he's with a woman who he's not necessarily attracted to. And I'm feeling like all of my shame and I'm not enoughness and all of my stuff that I had anyway, Mm -hmm. outside of the fact that he wasn't quote unquote attracted to me. Mm -hmm. And so the things that I felt like I had to do to get him aroused Mm -hmm. that put me in positions that it took me a long time to recover from. And we could have the act of sex, but it, there was nothing intimate mm-hmm. about it. It was for physical sake. And I would say there were moments we had that were good and were tender, but they were few and far between. And so when I think about as a woman, how much I think we connect our own desirability to a man's response evidence, to us, the evidence. the evidence of that. And I've even thought like in my marriage now, like to have these moments where I don't have to do anything to get a response. And that's actually been really healing for me because of my own story and situation that I've been in. But it's just interesting, like the nuance, and we're very open about that in our relationship mm-hmm. as far as like, that isn't the true measure of the experience of being, mm-hmm. it's just, it's an outcome of it. But 
I don't know, I just think about as a woman how we've also been taught. We've been conditioned. We've been conditioned that this is like, it's connected to our own worth. That we're responsible for it. We're responsible for it. It's really a lot of pressure. Yes. I mean, to on both sides. On both sides. 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 It's just totally unnecessary. It's like, because I've even been under the assumption in my mind for a long time, and that's actually been changing in the last year or two, but like that sex was the completion of orgasm for one or both partners. Mm. And that's not true. No. Mm-mm. No, that's it's not. not it's not true. It's one expression. It can, it can happen, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's but it's expression. not what sex is. Mm-hmm. You know, but when you have that, like I would say in my, in my marriage, like in my past, I was like, if this doesn't happen for him, there's going to be emotional consequence. There's going to be disappointment or there's going to be like, if we don't get here, like for both of us, like it wasn't like he was demanding, but like, I just was like, oh no, no. Cause in my own mind, that's how it was woven together for some reason. Mm-hmm. Like I ha- this has to be the end result. And so I would get so fixated mm-hmm. on the end result happening that I could not be in my own body. No. Nope. Yeah. Mm-mm. I was performing. I was tasking. I had a mission to accomplish. You know, and it's really hard to enjoy anything like that. Yeah. Well, I want to yeah. say it's you can still have enjoyment, but you're missing out on. I want to say you've gone through so many lost opportunities of pleasure. Well, and I wasn't being present. Yeah. yeah. That's really what yeah. it was. I, I it was really hard for me to be present in the moment. And if you're present in the moment, anybody ever, you know what the Roman chair is at the gym? Can you not tell me what it actually is, but can you go around and say now what we think it is? What no. do you think it is? No, what do you, no, what no, do, no, do no. you know what the Roman chair is at the gym? No. Is it a real thing at the gym? It's a real chair. Okay. What it's... kind of gym are we talking about? <laughs> well, I, my... don't, I don't know, Becky. I'm I've kidding. got so many pictures It's one in my where mind. you suspend yourself, you grab and you hold your legs and up. You, and you, your, your legs are dangling mm-hmm. and you pull your legs up. Okay. You pull your legs mm-hmm. up. I was doing an exercise regime and I'm there at the gym and I'm doing this. And after about three or four, I'm like going, oh my gosh, I'm going to have an orgasm right here in the gym. Oh, wow. Oh my gosh. And you keep doing it. And the next day your abs kill you, but it's like you keep doing it. And it's like, that was pleasure. That was pleasure. And I remember the first time I experienced it, I was like, do I need to feel shame for this? Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, and I do this work. And I was like, no, I don't need to feel shame for this. But that was pleasure. Mm-hmm. And it was like, can I give my body? I was present to my body what was going on. Now, the only reason I'm sharing that with this is the fact of we interrupt so many different progressions towards pleasure because we're so concerned mm-hmm. about how we're going to be perceived or how the other person is going to perceive us. Yep. Wow. And I, the, the key, I really honestly think the key is can we be present in our own body mm. and recognize the incredible pleasure when someone does offer, to, I mean, when I am getting a foot rub or I am getting a body rub or something like that and receive the pleasure and sink into it long enough and go from pleasure, I'd really like to pleasure you. Yeah. And like, isn't it fun to draw it out? You know what I mean? To do like, don't. <laughs> I don't, just pictured don't you with like a sketchbook, the- you know. Like, <laughs> let me draw it out for you. But I mean, the, the most no, terrible like, thing in the world is if you have this or- beautiful orgasm and it's like, oh, let me hurry quick and give you one. I'm like, I, I, you're no, just, not in it. Yeah. But just to, you know, or like, maybe it takes a long 
long time. They're like yeah. slow. And there's something so fun for me about that where it's mm-hmm. like it's not about, yeah. you know, getting to penetration as soon as we can. It's yeah. about response and foreplay and And if people would listen to r&b music artists have been saying that for a long time (laughs) i mean i'm not i'm not even just kidding like the songs are about i'm gonna love you Mm -hmm. all night long long. like that is always the message Mm -hmm. it's never Mm -hmm. like let's hurry up and do it Mm -hmm. well well yeah it is i'm sorry there are some of those like (laughs) i once got busy in a burger king bathroom (laughs) as a lyric but (laughs) um, i want to say a couple of things really quick first of all I'm totally going to share that clip about the gym with every gym owner I know and be like, want to sponsor a podcast? Like, <laughs> yes. This is how you get people in the gym. It is an awesome chair. <laughs> but I tell you, I couldn't hardly eat the next day because I went way beyond where I should have gone. Which you know, is just also, to get to I the mean, end of the orgasm. It's yes. like, Ugh. <laughs> okay, yes. now I can't hardly walk. But okay, yeah. The other thing That's I awesome. want to jump into so, what you were just describing, Latifa, mm-hmm. about the pressure yep. of the completion of, of how did you say it? Yeah. That like one or Sex both is the had, completion yeah, of, of one or both parties orgasm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I want to bring that back into, I mean, this is a podcast about sexuality and spirituality. So like mm-hmm. the ways in which that and sort of the innate patriarchy of that yes. inform our theology and therefore our relationship with God, however you understand God, whatever you understand that to be. I don't want this to be like super normative for any particular belief mm-hmm. system, but your relationship with the divine, if like me and for so many, it is tied to successfully accomplishing righteousness or mm-hmm. successfully accomplishing. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, or, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's, I, I see like, that's all I could think about that whole time is like, well, mm-hmm. that's my young relationship with God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Wow. That's interesting. That is really interesting because when I think about, hmm, when I think about how God was described to me and how like being a good Christian was described to me, it'd always be this weird bait and switch of, you know, it's not by works, it's by faith, but your works are your evidence of your faith. And here's all the things that we should be able to see and that you should not be doing in order for us to know that you have faith, you know? So it was a very like your behavior is going to like, show us what you believe, which I actually don't disagree with. I yeah. do think behavior shows us what we what we actually believe instead of what mm-hmm. we say we believe. But it becomes a very performative religious practice and that if I check all these boxes and do all these things, then I'll be accepted by God or have belongingness. And then you tie that back to sex. Exactly right. And so what I'm learning now and like this beautiful partnership that I'm in is that the act of being present with one another is the most healing, mm-hmm. fruitful, mm-hmm. life-giving thing. Mm-hmm. And that that is the best thing we can give each other is, is, is presence, presence to ourselves, mm-hmm. and presence to each other. And presence isn't about like, hey, did you do all these things today? No. It's like, just be with me yeah. and, and I'll be with you. And like practically what that means is that the measure of a person's love for you is not whether or not they had an orgasm or you had an orgasm no, or just, whatever. They're it's, with me. Yeah. They're present the, with the me. The witness. I love that. And so like one, like one interaction might be, I need you to hold me. Mm-hmm. And that's all I need. I need a massage. Mm-hmm. Can you give me a massage? Mm-hmm. Or can I have one too? Or maybe mm-hmm. later. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of like ongoing conversation in real time of like, what was your day like? And mm-hmm. then what do we need? Mm-hmm. And each day is different. You know, like I know Brene Brown has talked about like the 80, 20 thing where like, 
if we're I did I actually heard this from a friend who listened to this, so I didn't listen to it directly. But um, <laughs> so this is an exact quote. Of <laughs> <That's the name. laughs> but but the idea, you know yeah, going, yeah, the yeah. idea is basically like, are you at an eighty or twenty? So like, you had a really life giving day, mm-hmm. and you're at eighty percent or higher of like feeling like empowered and good, mm-hmm. energetic. If like you're like 20 or below or like it, what what is it 70 well, or below it is, it's like she was saying being communicative about what you have to give because there was a time yes. when her husband he had a really hard day no he was watching the kids while yeah. she was out speaking yeah and so he had this moment where he couldn't wait for her to get home so she mm-hmm. he could be like i'm done and she had just gone through all she's this stuff done. she she's done exactly like flying answered her and she's like yeah. i can't wait to get home and just go to bed and they were both like can't wait to get to bed mm-hmm. i'm going to depend on the other mm-hmm. Right. When they walk through the door kind of thing. Yeah. And so they had this disagreement, didn't go well. Yeah. And um, they were able to start this new dialogue of like, kind of like, what do I have to give? Yeah. And so and Sundays, so it might be like we're ordering in for dinner because well, no, neither of us can cook. Yeah. But she would say like, there would yeah. be days where they'd say like, I'm at a 40, well, I'm at a 42. So how do we make up that gap? What do we have yeah. to give up? What do we have to like change? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's just a different way to like It's kind of, but it's about being present. Yeah. I mean, really, that's what that yes. is. It's like saying, hey, like I got gas today. So I might not be able to like do this like one to 10 hour plus sexual engagement with you because because <laughs> I'm I'm really long. emotionally drained or tap mm-hmm. like what you're describing with Rick for a season like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and so to just like be willing to be present with your partner but then also be present to yourself. So there are times where like mm-hmm. I have needs and my partner might or might not be able to meet them. Well there are ways for me like to take care of myself and yep. that's okay too. Yep. Which I know we're gonna actually yeah. do a whole session on that. But I think one of the things too and I when we place the expectation on our partner to meet all of our needs, yeah. what we're doing is we're saying we're not capable ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's not true. And it's not true. And I want to say there's no way humanly possible my partner will be able to meet all my needs. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely no way possible. No way. But learning how to be attuned to one another gives you an engagement to be able to interact with one another in a way that is both mutually consensual and respectful and exploratory, I think. I think it is. But it takes real, you have to be attuned enough here to know you're depleted. That's helped me in my friendships, like not just even my romantic partnerships. But I think in at least what I hear a lot in my office is, but she's always tired or she doesn't want to have sex. And I'm not trying to just stereotype. I'm just saying that that tends to be a lot in the Christian culture, which what I have. Mm-hmm. And what I hear from women a lot is I don't have one more thing to give. Yeah. And I, you know what? I think women give a lot. And I think that there's a lot of messed up theology around mm-hmm. sex and in the, and all that. I get that. But I think one of the things that we've forgotten is if you look at the physio and I'm this is I'm thinking between a man and a woman when you think of the literal physical elements of this the woman's the one who actually receives something and I was never taught that it was something of receiving something and that is for me one of the most sacred moments when I get to receive something and hold it in a way and hold that vulnerability because I'm holding that vulnerability in a way, regardless of, it's not how hard it is, it's I'm holding that vulnerability as something receiving into me. Will I receive you into me as you are? 
Oh, that's amazing when you think about the ways in which the male anatomy is sort of treated culturally. So like that, that is the most vulnerable part of a man's body. That is the place mm-hmm. that is the most protected of a man's body. It is the place where men are measuring themselves. Like if we think about it in those terms, and that is the thing, rather than viewing sex as like this dominant sort of experience for a man and more so as a bringing of your most personal, private, protected, (laughs) most vulnerable part of you, physically at least, you know, Man, that just really, well, really and it get, suddenly fun. becomes hidden and you can't see it. Wow. Well, I was going to say, you know, what's funny is we're sort of actually really playing with and reversing the dynamics of masculinity and femininity, mm-hmm. exactly. which I actually love because we're basically saying that each person has a balance of masculinity and femininity and that that balance like needs to be acknowledged and held and respected. So can we not reverse it? Are we just expanding Expanding it? Yeah, yeah. Can we're we just expanding, expanding it? it? I love the idea that like we see in, in nature that there's a balance of feminine and masculine. Mm-hmm. And and so it makes so much sense that in each physical body that there's a balance of feminine and masculine energy and like mm-hmm. all these things. I was just to go back to your question about how does it affect my spirituality when I talk about presence, like when I'm present with myself, when I'm present with one, like another, I feel I am also deeply present with the divine because yeah, it's mm-hmm. impossible for me yeah. to ignore like the divine energy and love that flows through myself and this other person because you're just oh, like it's that stillness, it's that sacredness. It's like the evidence is in all of the ways that you are similar, and in all of the ways that you are different. You know, it's like that, to me, that's that is the sort of in touch with the divine piece. Mm-hmm. Is that like the idea that you get to connect with someone for the ways that they are like you, but also for the ways that you are different? Is, they're showing me other attributes and. Mm-hmm and angles of the consciousness of, of God and the divine. Like they're revealing something new to me that I'm not seeing is really powerful. Well, and actually like just the good theology really is that God is not out there to be connected with when you are on some high spiritual plane. What you just said, when you're present to yourself mm-hmm. and to your soul, that is where God is. Yeah. And there is no, where God is there, the soul is where the soul is there. God is like, there's no difference between that. And so good old ancient theology, not new theology, but would agree with what you just said, mm-hmm. that, that the way to find God is to be present to yourself because mm-hmm. God is hidden there, right there. Where else could God be? Yeah. Where else could God be? It's and, just like the breathing thing of like, yes, you have it within you right mm-hmm. now. All the time. You have the medicine because you, you are the medicine. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And Becky, you've been bursting at the seams, I feel like. Did you have something? I'm thinking about Mae West's quote, sex is emotion in motion. Whoa. Love that. I love that so much. I love do too. It. I love I, it. I, but I, I think the thing that I'm thinking about in the divine, just that connection, you take two human beings both who bear the image of divine, of God, of creator, and you bring them together into their most vulnerable state of nakedness. And then when there's connection and presence, it can't help but be a place of worship. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think at the core when we share our body with another human being and we experience pleasure and we experience our own presence and another's presence I think it must utterly delight 
our creator. And for me personally, my own experience, I want to say there are times it moves me to utter tears. Me too. Just of like, oh my gosh, this is this is what it means to just be beyond this world. There's something about it. And I think that's why, and it's not necessarily just orgasm. It's feeling so connected to another human being that you just go, <gasps> and received and your vulnerability received, held, mm-hmm. what, however it is, but it's like, there is Beautiful. something so incredibly sacred. That's where I don't think you can separate the spiritual and the sexual. And I think it goes back to something you'd But why would we want to? Yeah. But I think about something you said, I think it was in the first season, about how sex can be so destructive and it can Mm -hmm. be so healing. Yes. And I was thinking, reflecting this morning about being able to have experiences in both areas and very intimate experiences. And I just love how you're articulating that. I don't know. I'm just saying you're reflecting on like just the beauty when someone else can create space for you to allow yourself to unfold. Mm -hmm. Because I think about like early on in dating Alan and how... I was the slightly aggressive one. In the That's just Alan. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But just like I, that was so much part of like the way I had been taught. And he is someone who just helps slow me down and create this. He's an Enneagram nine for those of you who are familiar, but there's this like, we can slow down and enjoy and have this space. And it's taught me a lot about, and that's not just in the physical act, but just these ways that it's not about the, just getting the orgasm in the end game. You know, it's like, can we just be here and just, enjoy being present to one another like I just mm-hmm. love that language and I keep thinking back to like I think we're all so hungry for connection which mm-hmm. we talked about last season and I think in so many ways it's like we're all pursuing it in our different ways but that at, at the end is what we're really like looking for as we're pursuing intimate relationship and I think I love the way you described the allowing you to unfold yeah. yourself of like, if I could learn to think of, or if anyone could learn to think of sex in those terms, then it removes the whole obligation mm-hmm. on either side of like, yeah. oh, I got to go do this thing that I'm, you know, or or whatever, or someone owes this to me because you would never say that about, well, my wife needs to be unfolded again. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm saying, do you know what I'm saying? That like, that is the gift. Micro that machines. is the gift that you get. That is the gift that you are mm-hmm. that you are able to offer your partner is like. And that is loving. That time. is so oh my loving. Of like, I just want to let this person be safe. It's giving them time. Mm-hmm. And that's so what I needed, given like my own sexual history. I've thought many times, like if I would have been with someone who was more aggressive than me, oh my gosh, it would have been so damaging. Mm-hmm. Like it would have like just reinforced so many narratives I had and all this stuff. And so it's just been this shift in so many ways to just allow the spaciousness mm-hmm. for intimacy and yeah. Do you think like instead of aggressive that maybe eager? Like no, I just I would say really I was like because I'm trying to imagine yeah. you being aggressive and that feels so Jen was confusing to me. Okay. There's yeah. Okay, just curious. I just yeah. I wanted to yeah. be more yeah. specific. Flying so, across, yeah. across that's across helpful. Yeah. No, I just yeah. wanted to make yeah. sure that that's the word you were wanting <laughs> to yeah. use. I, yeah. I just want to say real quick too before we wrap up. Oh. There's something wrong with me in that while you were having this beautiful thought <laughs> as Becky was talking, I was imagining like <laughs> lighting a candle and dimming the lights and then turning on Matt Redmond's Here I Am to Worship. <laughs> 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 That's where my brain was going. That can work too. You know, I there's an element and Steve, help me. The word guard is, yeah. could you do a little nerdy 30 on that? 30, 30. 
So the word guard is the word that, you know, in the famous numbers six, uh, the Lord guard Mm -hmm. you and keep you, the Lord. It's also in the garden, the humanity, humans are there to guard creation and animals. And I I forget what the actual Hebrew. Yeah. Is it Shamar? It is. But that word means... Well, it's very difficult to translate. Keep is another word. And it, like, to hold dominion over would be a bad translation. You know, like, mm-hmm. humans are, commonly. are yeah. the, mm-hmm. the rulers. It's not rulers. It really means to receive something from someone else that's precious to them and you, and you know it. And they're giving it to you so that you can care for it, protect keep it, it protect mm-hmm. it, but also allow it to flourish. You know, it's not just mm-hmm. putting it in a it, drawer yeah. and yeah, putting you it away. Are, yeah. It's like a plant, you know, that you would keep. And so the... Nurture. Yes. May the Lord nurture you. May the Lord keep you because you're precious, mm-hmm. but not to put away in a drawer, but to allow you to flourish in every way that you're supposed to flourish. Mm-hmm. That's how the divine, that's that prayer, that ironic mm-hmm. priestly prayer. May the Lord do that to you. And may we do that to the rest of creation and the rest of humanity there it is. within so it. Good. Mm-hmm. May we treat each other and ourselves that same way. Mm-hmm. And that's gorgeous to me. Mm-hmm. Like I can get excited about that vision for living, no matter what you call that. I don't care what you call that. I'm Christianity, whatever. I love yeah. that. You know, That's beautiful. Yeah. There's something about carrying that over into the bedroom mm-hmm. and into oh, the gosh, ways yeah. our most intimate relationships that it's like, oh, I want to tend this well. I want to care for this. I want to care for who I'm with. Mm-hmm. I want to help them unfold, mm-hmm. which I think is beautiful from one to another. And I don't care if that's from a man to a man or from a mm. man to a woman or a, a woman po- to a man. What a posture. It is just to be there to mm. be, can I help unfold this so we can explore this together? This episode of Fun Parts was produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Bronner. Our artwork was designed by the very talented Alan Lusink. Nerdy 30 was composed and produced by Latifa Alatas, and other music from this episode is from the fine folks at Blue Dot Sessions. Check out our website at funpartspodcast.com and be sure to follow us on social media at funpartspodcast. Lastly, if you want access to bonus and behind-the-scenes content from this and other Milieu Media Group shows, join our neighborhood at the Patreon link in the show notes. And now, here's a scene from the next episode of Fun Parts. Does this path like of sticking with the suffering or trying to move through the suffering, is it helping me? Or is it causing more harm? Is it regenerating life? Is it regenerating goodness inside myself? And I think we can actually trust ourselves to answer that question honestly if we take time to be still and observe with lack of judgment. I think we can trust ourselves to choose a path that creates life instead of harm. <laughs>